thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Galatians chapter 1. I'm going to be talking to you tonight about what I believe is one of the greatest addiction problems in the church today. And I know all of you are trying to think, wonder what that is. But um, I want to talk to you tonight about the addiction or the perils of people pleasing. I think it's one of the things that plagues churches the most, um, probably even plagues a lot of pastors. And uh, every pastor has to wrestle with it, but you are going to have to wrestle with it in all of our lives. And so we're going to be reading out of Galatians chapter 1, um, verses 10 through 12, but we'll read it in just a moment. So um, it's very important that we understand kind of the context of this letter that Paul is writing. And he's writing this letter to churches in the, in the region of Galatia. Because he was upset, he was a little frustrated. He had helped plant these churches, and now there were these false teachers that were coming in, and they were giving a teaching a, a false gospel, a new gospel. It wasn't the gospel of grace that Paul was talking about. And actually what the false teachers were doing, they were telling the Gentiles that in order to be Christians, they had to, they had to convert to Judaism. They had to go back to the law and live under the law so that they could really be saved. And for lack of better words, Paul was a little ticked off. And he, he wrote them a letter and he said, enough of this. And that's what Paul did. It was interesting. He planted churches. He started churches. Then he wrote letters and told them, listen, those are false teaching. Don't listen to it. Stop doing this. Correct this. God's grace is sufficient. Now keep going. And he continued to lead them. And so um, this is what this letter was about. And what's interesting that when Paul wrote this letter, he was kind of a newbie. He was a newbie in the, uh, the Christian ministry. And the real kind of Jewish Christian VIPs were in the church in Jerusalem. Because that's where the church began. It began in Jerusalem. The church was growing from there. Paul was, was, uh, was, for one, he was the one who was persecuting the church. Jesus met him on the, on the Damascus road. He blinded him, and then he taught him about his grace and all the teachings that we have today. And so, um, you know, you would think if you were in Christian ministry like Paul was, that you'd want to be kind of, you'd want to rub shoulders with, the, with the, the big shots, the televangelists per se. You want to run with those who have the big churches. You, you, you want, you know, if, if, if you want to kind of come into line with some of these these big preachers that are preaching in Jerusalem, but Paul kind of didn't care about that. And he always seemed to be stirring the pot a little bit. And so uh, here's what he had to say about changing his message to impress others. He was not concerned about it. And we're going to be reading out of the NIV tonight. But before we read this, I just want to pray and commit the Word of God to our hearts tonight. Lord, we're about to read your written Word. It is alive, and it contains the words of life, and it contains the, the only instructions that can get us through today and can get us into our tomorrow and can lead us into eternity. And so, Lord, tonight as we open your Word and read it, I pray that your truth would prevail, that every word that I say would be anointed by you, that it would be 
the understanding, and it would be the message that you want communicated from this word. God, open our ears to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's begin in Galatians chapter 10. We're going to read through 12. Paul says this. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant to Christ. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by the revelation of Jesus Christ. And here is Paul, he's writing the church again, he's saying, listen, I'm not trying to please any man. I'm, I, what, the reason why I'm telling you you have false teachers among you, among you is not because I, I, I want you to turn your eyes to me, I want you to turn your eyes to Jesus. And so most people, and I'm sure, I'm sure many of us would agree, most people spend their lives trying to please others. But Paul challenged is challenging us through this word that we are to take the road less traveled. We're to, we're to live a life that not very many people live. And that's a pretty important matter to settle in our own lives. So the question for us tonight is this, are you living to please others or, or are you living to please God? That's a question we have to ask. And at times in our journey, we will go from one to another. And in this message, I want to talk to you about this idea of people-pleasing. But then I want to, at the end, I want to talk to you about the blessing we receive when we live to please God. And so the for, first point we have here is I want to talk about the disease to please, symptoms of approval addiction. You know, everyone wants to be liked. Everyone wants to be wanted I had a friend who always used to say, I don't want to go to a party. I just want to be invited to it. I don't want to ever have to go and do it. I just want to know that I'm special enough to be invited because it's this need in all of us to be wanted. And actually, there was uh, an actress, and she gave a real famous speech that you can find today that was really unique, and she, her name was Sally Field, and I'm sure many of you heard of her. She won an Oscar for her role in a movie called um, Places in the Heart. And she gave this speech, and she said this, I haven't had an orthodox career, and I've wanted more than anything to have your respect. The first time I didn't feel it, but this time I feel it, and I can't deny the fact that, that you like me. Right now, you like me. And she kept saying, you like me. It was the whole premise of her award was not because of her gifting. It was because people liked her. And a lot of us, like Sally Field, we, we, think, we think we are good people only if other people think we're good people. And so, all of us, the wanting to be liked is a natural feeling. Paul had to struggle with the same thing. I want, even as a pastor, I want all of you to like me. I want all of you to think well of me. And as, even as, as children, time to time we crave to be liked, we crave to be wanted, the pat on the head, the add a boy, add a girl. And we have a natural appetite for people to like us and to accept us. And there is a natural appetite to that. It's not that we're to walk around as robots and not care at all. I've I ran into people who don't care at all what people think, and I don't want to be around them because they don't care at all what people think. And some people, it, it's kind of the, the pride side. Well, I don't care what anyone thinks, so I'll do whatever you want. Oh, okay, let me know how that works out for you. 
God still requires us to be concerned about people. But it's this, an addiction to approval. And an addiction is this, when a normal appetite is corrupted and it starts controlling you. So an addiction is when a normal appetite is, is, is corrupted and it begins to control you. For instance, we have a natural appetite for food, but some people crave food to the point that eating starts controlling them. Paul even talked about it. He said, I will not allow my stomach to be my master. Actually, as I was looking up, approval addiction, along with its, I guess, what you would say the first cousin, codependence, is recognized as a real issue in the mental health field. And I want to read to you a quote from a psychiatrist um, that I'm, I know some people get thrown off when you say psychiatrist, but I want you to hear her take on addiction. An addiction is something that controls people. It is something that they feel they cannot live without or something they feel driven to do in order to relieve pressure, pain, or discomfort of some kind. Someone addicted to drugs, for instance, will do whatever he or she needs in order to get another fix. When he or she begins to feel uncomfortable, when, when he or she begins to feel uncomfortable. Approval addiction is much the same, but instead of running to drugs to heal the hurt, those who suffer from it seek people's approval. When they feel unsure and shaky about themselves, they look for a fix. They seek out someone to comfort them and reassure them everything is going to be all right and they are accepted. But being overly dependent on approval from others and fearing their disapproval comes from the belief that others are responsible for your worth. Now, I'd be willing to bet that some of us at some level have an approval addiction. And this is, this is not a, um, a self-help message tonight. This is the reality that if we're going to be everything God wants us to be in the kingdom, we're going to have to get over what people think about us. And we're going to have to be people of courage, people of boldness. One of the things God really revealed um, in, our, in our hearts, in my heart, and then the staff, and I shared it with our staff, was when we had a prayer meeting for our election that was coming up. And in the middle of the prayer meeting, there was this, this real, seemed to be a word from the Lord speaking to us that we as a church and, and people in America, but specifically our congregation, was living under a spirit of fear. And a spirit of fear that's always pushing you back, that's always worried about everything, what's happening. And that's all of these, this approval addiction is still rooted in fear. It's rooted, what do people think about me? What if they think this? Or what if they think that? And God wants us to be people of courage. He wants us to be people of confidence. He wants to be people that we reflect his nature in our lives. So what are some of the symptoms of approval addiction? And just like any good test, if you answer yes to at least two of these questions, you might be an approval addict, just so you know. Number one, do you take criticism personally? A people pleaser will go to great lengths to avoid conflict or criticism. And every word of spoken or perceived criticism stings deeply. To an approval addict, the term constructive criticism, it's an oxymoron. There is no constructive criticism because it hurts so much. 
You know, the reality is there's always going to be critics. There's always going to be people that don't like you. And I, I know a little bit of something about criticism. I don't know if you know this or not, but I get criticized. I get criticized by sometimes silly things, sometimes real things. I get sometimes nasty letters. Sometimes I get very encouraging letters. And for those, I'm so grateful. So you can write a couple of those encouraging letters. It would be wonderful. Thank you. Keep your nasty ones. Thanks. I appreciate that. And it's, it's, it's just funny. There, there are people who naturally have the gift of criticism. <laughs> and so, I, you know, you have to filter through all of this as in ministry or at work or whatever it may be. You have to deal with it. But if, if we don't learn how to deal with criticism or to deal with this, this taking criticism, we're never going to become the person that God wants us to be. Because any time you begin to take a step into a new direction of faith or breakthrough, guess what? Criticism is going to meet you. It's going to meet you. Every time my wife and I felt God was leading us to take a step of faith, we were always met with criticism. We were always met with, isn't that irresponsible? We were always met with, well, listen, there are plenty of people around here to reach for Jesus. Why well, you got to go there and reach people for Jesus? And many times, criticism comes out of people just wanting to control you, just to be honest with you. And so we've had to deal with it. And so you have to wade through all of this. And, and then when you begin, even for us, when you begin to take a step into the direction God wants you to go, what that does in other people's hearts, it will raise up jealousy in their hearts. Because they wish they would have taken the step that you're taking. And all of a sudden, you have to wrestle with all of these emotions and feelings just like Paul did when he's riding the church, when he's going to church. He had the deal, do I want to be accepted by the, by the big dogs in Jerusalem or do I want to just do what I know God's called me to do? And that's what he chose. He will not allow the opinion of man to sway him in what he's going to do for God. There's always going to be critics. There's actually, there's a, um, there's a fable about an old man and his young grandson. And the donkey. And they were entering a city, and the boy was riding the donkey as the old man walked alongside the donkey, the, the, the young man riding on the donkey. They passed a group of people who remarked that it was terrible for the boy to ride while the old man had to walk. They could hear all this criticism. So they listened to the critics, and they thought, well, maybe we should change places. So they went a little further, and another group they ran into, all of a sudden they heard say, what a shame to make that little boy like that walk. Shouldn't the older man give way to the little boy and let him ride the donkey? So they listened to the critics, and the old man and the boy walked beside the donkey. Neither of them got on the donkey. Another group down the road complained that they were foolish to walk when they had a perfectly good donkey to ride on. So they listened to the critics and they both got on the donkey and rode it. The next group commented how cruel they were to put such a burden on the poor donkey. And the old man and the boy decided they were right. So they decided that they were going to carry the donkey. And as they were crossing the bridge, they lost their grip and the donkey fell to the river and he drowned. And the point of the story that is if you listen to every critic, you'll never reach your goals. You'll never get there. So another symptom of an approval addiction is this. I have a fear of rejection. A people pleaser will do anything to avoid rejection. Someone said that a people pleaser feels 
like they are constantly performing in front of a panel of judges. And all of these things we're talking about tonight are bondages. They're things that God wants to set all of us free for. So that, again, you can become everything God wants you to become. But for these people who have a fear of rejection, and I, I have it in my own life at times. All of us actually do. Their life is one long episode, feels like of American Idol. They always feel they're always performing. They're, everything they do, every, every decision they make, and should I do this? Should I wear this? Should I, should I go here? Is it okay if I show up here? What if I'm late? What if I'm too early? What if, and so they feel like they're always standing in front of Simon Cowell singing a song, you know. But for them, the judges aren't Simon Cowell and those judges. For them, the judges are their friends, their family, their church members, they're, they're leaders in their church, they're the pastor, and they always think everyone is judging them. And there was a book written a while ago called The Search for Significance. It was one of the first books someone gave me for, um, in ministry. Because <laughs> I guess you realize if you're going to step into ministry, you, you better find your significance in Jesus because it's really hard to find it sometimes in what you do because of all the criticism that comes. It was by a, a gentleman named Robert McGee, and he said this, Living according to the false belief I must be approved by certain others to feel good about myself causes us to fear rejection, conforming virtually all of our attitudes and actions to the expectations of others. So we spend our life always shifting for what people think or doing what we think we need to do to please others. An approval addict is someone who wears different masks. They have a mask to wear at home. There's a mask to wear at church. There's another mask that they wear at work. There's another mask when they, when they go to the store. They smile when they don't feel like smiling because they are afraid of rejection. Another symptom of approval addiction is number three or C on your paper is I have a hard time Saying no. The question is, do you have a hard time saying no? Paul didn't have a hard time saying no. He had no problem saying no. But he still had to deal with these things. So I'll ask you a couple questions. Have you ever said yes to an invitation to do something that you really didn't want to do or didn't have the time to do, but you didn't say no because you wanted that person to like you? I think all of us would say yes. We've all done that. I mean, it's good to say yes, it's good to say yes to opportunities, but when, when, when a, an, an approval addict or someone who struggles with this, they overload their calendars, they live their lives on task, and they, they're doing it for the purpose of gaining the approval of others. We all have busy calendars, but the motivation, if it is to gain the approval of others, then again, we need to deal with this approval addiction. I read an interesting quote when I was preparing for this message. It said, being a people pleaser is like being a stray dog at a whistler's convention. You get it? Just think about it for a moment. Being a people pleaser is like being a stray dog at a whistler's convention. It's like you're always, you hear this whistle, and so the loudest whistle gets your attention. And you're going everywhere. It's like a stray dog. Our dog, Buddy, actually, we have a, we have a little dog. I, it's very hard to call him a dog because he's like this big. He's a, he's a glorified rat, I think is what he is. But when, when I come home from work, 
He, he will bark and bark and, and just like wag his tail and get all around my feet and bark. What, he's like, pet me, please. Accept me, please. Love me, please. And so I have to stop because I don't care. It doesn't matter how many times I tell him, will you be quiet? Shut up, dog. Like I'm trying. I have to say, hang on. I have to pet him. I see you. You're a good dog. I like you. And then he's okay. Then he just goes off and he's fine. But until I do that, he can't do anything else. He's addicted to my approval, which actually don't, I don't mind that much, but that's, a, that's okay. But in the same sense, when he does something that he shouldn't do and I, and I say something cross to him or rough to him, every, his whole demeanor changes. His ears go back, his tail tucks in, he walks around, he looks at you like he's like, I'm so sorry, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> I'm really talking about my dog a lot tonight, so, but... But that's the ups and downs of a people pleaser. For the, for, for the life of a dog, I guess it's fine, but it's sad when that's our way as a person. When you're getting approval, you're on top of the world. But when, you're, when you face disapproval, your world is ruined. You can't do anything. The Bible says this, the fear of man will prove to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. You know, there were a lot of people pleasers in the Bible. We can find them a lot. But there was one. His name was Pontius Pilate. It's, he's a great example. He examined Jesus, and he it says he found no fault in him at Jesus' trial before his crucifixion. And he, wanted, he actually wanted to set Jesus free. He wanted to set him free. Here's Pontius Pilate. He's a ruler. I mean, he tells people what to do. And in Mark 15, 5, this is a classic approval-addicted leader. Wanting to satisfy who? The crowd. Pilate released Barnabas to them. He had Jesus flogged, and he handed him over to be crucified. So if you think, if you sense some of these things that you struggle with, and I think all of us do, here's the thing. We're to ask the Lord to heal us of this disease because it is. To heal us of this disease. These, these things are going to keep you from maybe joining the altar team that you want to come and pray for people. Maybe you want to be a leader in the church, and, but you, it's, it's so difficult because what if you're rejected? Maybe you want to lead a small group, or maybe you want to join a small group. I would say that many of these things that we've talked about tonight are the one reason that keeps us from going further in our relationship with God. Or as God speaks to us and we're pressing into him and we want to move in greater gifts of the Spirit, we want to, we want to see God use us, heal the sick. And so we're like, yes, but what if he doesn't? And then I look bad. Or maybe God gives you a word of prophecy in one of our services and, and you think and you want to give it, but you think, but what if I'm rejected? How many know that this idea of rejection and approval, as you can see, keeps us from becoming the giants in God's kingdom he wants us to be? It's interesting to see that the leaders of the church or the great missionaries, it was almost as though they, they did not have any desire for any approval except for God's. 
You look at guys like Smith Wigglesworth. Man, he prayed for people. He did some of the craziest things with people. Matter of fact, one of the things, which is a bit of a side note, I, I, his, his wife died, and he raised her from the dead. And she said, she called him Smitty. Smitty, what are you doing? And I believe she lived just a little bit longer, and then she died again. I mean, he was just, he didn't care. He was just, he prayed for someone. Someone had a tumor. He'd slap them on the side of the head. The tumor would go away. Now, we don't endorse that in our prayer ministry. So if you do feel called to do that, you need to talk to Carl and Lonnie. They'll, they'll help you out here. But, the, I mean, there are these people who did great things for God. But they didn't consider the opinion of man. So there is a better way. So here's the question. Whose slave are you? Whose slave are you? And we are to seek God's approval instead of people's applause. The whole theme of this book of Galatians, and we're just picking just two verses. I would love to do a series on the book of Galatians, and actually we will on a Sunday. But the whole theme of Galatians is the freedom that we have in Christ. If you devote your life to trying to please others, you will find yourself enslaved to their, opinion, to their opinions and approval. Paul was about freedom. Paul was about be everything God's called you to be. Eugene Peterson paraphrased um, verse 10. And he wrote, and I love the way he paraphrased it. He said this, do you think I speak this strongly in order to manipulate crowds or curry favor with God? Or get popular applause. If my goal was popularity, I wouldn't bother being Christ's slave. It's not popular to be a follower of Jesus. It's not popular to be a man or a woman of the Spirit. It's not popular to choose right and wrong. It's not popular when your business is doing something that's shady and you say, I'm not going to have any of that. It's not popular. It breaks relationships. I, I know a gentleman who, who said, I, I do not feel good about this direction or financial thing of how, how this business was going. And he had to break a relationship with his good friend because he just could not do it. It's not popular. And the word that Paul uses here, it was a common word, but it was a bond slave. And basically what he's saying, you don't have the emotional energy to serve two masters. Matter of fact, in Matthew 6, Jesus referred to serving God or serving money, but the principle holds true. He says this, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. This is, do you fear, are you a slave to man? Are you a slave to God? So how do you make the choice to be a slave to God rather than the approval of people? Here are two ways to begin to do this. The first one is this. You serve God without any desire for recognition. You serve God, with, God without any desire for recognition. One way to escape the approval addiction trap is to perform acts of service and kindness Quietly and secretly, so there is no possible way of someone being impressed by your action. It does something to you. Actually, I know someone that often, when they go either to Starbucks or usually it's the drive-thru, they always pay for the person behind them. And they tell them, tell them God bless you. That's it. 
No one knows their name. No one knows who they are. God gets the glory, and it, they are a very generous person. But that's what it does. You make the choice that I'm going to serve God without any recognition. That's just one way of doing that. Jesus said the Pharisees were people pleasers. And it's funny, he, he lays out the story. So when he told the story, he said, when they gave money to the poor, they would announce it with trumpets so everyone would see their generosity and give them approval. What's all, what was also funny um, is when it says that they would blow trumpets, is, is, or a, a, it was a clanging sound. One of the uh, translations of Scripture was, took that passage where it says when the Pharisees would give, it was seen that they were giving. And so they would actually put their coins in this copper pot. They would give their offering. And so you could come up with one coin and put your one coin in there. But what the Pharisees would do when they gave their money, they would break like a dollar bill down into a hundred pennies. So when they, they could slowly put their money in this copper pot and it would just ding and ring. It was like a trumpet. So everyone knew, oh, wow, he's giving money. But Jesus said this, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen then. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then he goes on, listen to this. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. If you seek the applause of people for your acts of goodness, that's all the reward you will ever receive. That is your reward. That's it. And you forfeit your reward from God. But when you serve faithfully with no desire for praise of people, God notices that and he rewards you. The, the happiest, the healthiest Christians I know aren't trying to impress other people. They're doing good deeds for the audience of one person. And it breaks and has broken this approval addiction off their life. There's a real powerful poem by a woman named Ruth Harms Colkin, and she entitled it this, I Wonder. And she writes this, you know, Lord, how I serve you with great emotional favor in the limelight. You know how I eagerly speak for you at the women's club that I go to. You know how I effervescently promote a fellowship group that I'm going to be in. You know my genuine enthusiasm at a Bible study, but how would I re react, I wonder, if you pointed me to a basin of water and asked me to wash callous feet of a bent and wrinkled old woman day after day, month after month, in a room where nobody saw and nobody knew. We are to do things in secret. It helps break that approval addiction off of our life. Second thing we're to do is this, to live as if the only opinion that matters is God's because it is true. At some point in the future, all of us are going to face judgment. All of us are going to face things we, we, we have to go through. And we won't be judged by other people 
we're going to be judged by what's called the judgment seat of Christ. Paul wrote this. He said, I care, in 1 Corinthians 4, he says this, I care very little if I am judged by you or any human court. Indeed, I don't even judge myself. Paul said, I don't even let myself judge me. It is the Lord who judges me. And that's to be our heart and our posture. So are you going to choose to go through life trying to please God? If you do, or sorry, trying to please people. Are you going to go through life trying to please people? If you do, you're always going to be frustrated. You're never going to be enough. And you'll never please everyone. There's a quote I came across that says, If you displease God, it doesn't matter whom you please. But if you please God, it doesn't matter whom you displease. So if you displease God, it doesn't matter who else you please because he's what matters. But if you please God, then it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks of you. There's another uh, reality or a quote that I read, and many of us have heard it. It says, you can please some of the people all the time. You can please all of the people some of the time, but you can't please all the people all the time. So you're always not going to please somebody. And the Bible makes it clear how we can please God. And here we, here we have it. We're, we're, we're coming in for a landing here. In Hebrews eleven six, 6, it says this, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he, he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So let's just turn that around for a second. With faith, it is possible to please God. With faith, it is possible to please God. It's funny that God God made us us human beings. That's why we're called human beings, not human doings. That we are to be, we're to, to, by faith, put our trust in God. And when you put your trust totally in Christ, Jesus comes to take up residence in you through the person of the Holy Spirit. And from that moment on, the Bible says that you are in Christ and Christ is in you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, brand new. Something has changed in them. And if you're a child of God, when God looks at you, he sees Christ. That's really, that was very difficult for me to understand. Because you were in Christ. So if you were in Jesus and God looks at you, who does he see? He sees Jesus. Was the Father pleased with Jesus? Yes, he was. When Jesus was baptized, God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to what he says and do what he says. And so we all have a self-esteem. We actually all have a picture of ourselves that we carry inside our head of ourselves. Every single one of us do. Just like you care pictures of your family and your wallet or in your smartphone, we all have pictures of ourselves in our own head. And if you're finding your identity in what others think of you, it's like an etch-a-sketch. You remember those, the etch-a-sketch? That you sit down and you, and you, 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 you turn it and get frustrated because you mess up. you got to just shake the whole thing and start all over again. You could make a picture and you could turn it over and you could shake it. And if you're a people pleaser, your self-image will always be a changing picture of approval, disapproval, disappointment, frustration. And any time that God begins to, 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 to etch a picture of who you are, and if someone's disapproval bumps into your etch-a-sketch, it just throws everything off. 
God doesn't use an etch-a-sketch, though. According to Isaiah 49, 16, he says this, He has engraved on his palms. He has you engraved on the palms of his hand. You are accepted by God. You are received by God. If you live to please God, you will receive a clear picture of who you really are in Christ. What your calling is. That you can overcome every opposition. That you don't have to listen to the opinions of man about who you are or what you do. That you can be everything that God has called you to be. Psalm 139.18 says this. His thoughts of you outnumber the grains of sand on the seashore. You are loved by God. And that is how we begin to walk in the confidence that Paul had in Galatians chapter 1. He rejects trying to please anyone but God. I'm going to leave you with a story about, it's from a children's book, and it's called A Book You Are Special. And it's written by Max Lucado, which I just love. And so I just want to take a moment and read this. So hang tight with me. I know it's a Wednesday evening and, and uh, your eyelids weigh a little bit more around this time. But we're almost there. Hang in there. Once there was a village of small wooden people who had all been carved by a woodworker named Eli. These wooden people were called Wimmicks. Eli had carved the Wemmicks into wonderful variety. No two of them looked alike. Some Wemmicks were tall and some were short. Some wore hats and some wore coats. All day long, the Wemmicks did the same thing. They gave stickers to each other. Every Wemmick had a box of bright golden stars and a box of dull gray dots. And when they saw someone who was pretty or smart, they would put a gold star on them. When they encountered someone who was ugly or dumb, they would put a gray sticker on them. Some Wemmicks were covered with golden stars, and others were covered with gray dots. One little Wemmick named Punkinello never received a gold star sticker. He tried. He tried to jump high like the other Wemmicks, but he just would fall. He would scar his image He even got more gray dots, and the more he tried, the more gray dots he got. Punkinello was covered with so many gray dots that one day he decided he didn't want to leave his house anymore. He couldn't stand getting more gray dots put on him. And so one day, Punkinello, as he was in his home, not leaving anymore because he did not want the gray dots, saw a Wemmick named Lucia pass his house. She was unlike any Wemmick he had ever seen. She didn't have any stickers at all. She didn't have any gold stars. She didn't have any gray dots. And as he watched, people tried to put dots or stars on her, but they just fell off. Pocanello said to Lucia, that's the way I want to be. I want to be sticker free. Lucia, how did you do that? And she said, it's easy. Every day I go see Eli. Punconello said, who is Eli? Lucia said, Eli is the woodcarver. And I go and spend time with him in his workshop. Why don't you go up the hill to his workshop as well? Eli is always there. Punconello looked out his window, and he was saddened when he saw the Wemmicks going through their daily routine and passing out golden stars and gray dots. And so he resolved to go visit Eli. 
He walked up the hill and he stepped into the big woodcarver's shop and he couldn't believe how large everything was. Even on tippy toe, he couldn't see over the stool. A hammer was longer than his entire body. Punkinello was suddenly afraid and he turned to leave and the voice said, Punkinello, it's so good of you to come and see me. Let me take a look at you. Punkinello slowly turned around and looked at the large bearded craftsman and he said, Sir, how do you know my name? And he said, of course I know your name, Punkinello. I made you. Eli stood up and he stooped down and he picked little Punkinello up and he set him on the workbench. Hmm, looks like you've been getting a lot of gray dots. Punkinello quickly said, Eli, I'm so sorry. I didn't really mean to. I, 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 I don't know. I, and Eli smiled and says, you don't have to defend yourself to me. You're my child. I don't care what the other Wemmicks think, and you shouldn't care either. Who are they to give stars or dots? They are Wemmicks just like you. What they think doesn't matter at all. All that matters is what I think, and I think you're pretty special. Punganello said, me? I'm special? How, how can I be special? I can't walk fast. I can't jump. My, my paint's peeling off, and I make silly mistakes all the time. I, I, I'm not a beautiful Wemmick like all these others. And Eli put his large hands on Punkinello's shoulders and said, Punkinello, you're special because you're mine. That's why. You matter to me. I made you, and I don't make mistakes. Punkinello asked, well, why don't the stickers stay on Lucia? Eli answered, because she decided that what I think is more important than what anyone else thinks. The stickers only stick if you let them. The more you trust my love, the less you care about those stickers. Punkinello said, I'm not sure I understand, Eli. What are you saying? Eli said, you will, but it will take some time. You've got a lot of gray stickers, so for now, just come see me every day. Let me remind you how much I actually care about you. Punkinello thought, I think he really means it. And each time he remembered what Eli told him, and each time he went to visit and talk with Eli, one of Punkinello's gray dots would fall off. They kept falling, and soon they were all gone. And if you live your life trying to please people, you will only live for the gold stars. And what you'll often get is gray dots because you're always trying to please other people. But like Punkinello, you'll just spend every day, if you'll just spend every day with the carpenter, if you spend every day with Jesus, if you'll read his word, if you'll press into him, soon it won't matter. And we could stand strong and be like Paul. It says, I'm not trying to please man. I'm just trying to please God with my life. And it's a journey for all of us to go on. But we will live our lives if we come to him every day, not to hear the words of everyone else, but we'll live our lives so that there will come, come a time in our life we're going to hear this, well done, good and faithful servant. And so tonight, this is just a simple message. It's not real deep, but it's a powerful one. Because every believer, 
every believer, every person I have ever talked to, and I also know myself, and I know my family, this desire to please people keeps us from becoming everything that God wants us to be. And God wants to break that off of us. God wants to bring deliverance to us. God wants us to live a fresh life of freedom that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.